the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Jehovah Rapha, you're my healer. For by your stripes I've been set free. Jehovah Shama, you are with me and you supply all my needs. You're more than enough. You're more than enough. You're more than enough for me. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to John 19. As we continue to work our way through those last moments of Jesus' life, we're listening to His last words from the cross. Have you ever felt like, I just can't get enough? I don't think I'll ever have enough. Or maybe you felt like, I just can't do enough. Or perhaps you felt, I'll just never be enough. Those of us that do any kind of counseling with people, we're familiar with these feelings because that's part of our human nature, isn't it? We are at our core, inadequate. And we know that, but that's still a hard truth to stomach. That's something that's hard for us to recognize. Within all of us, there's a hunger that we will never fill. There's a goal we've set that we may never meet. There are needs we have that can only be met by Jesus Christ. And that's why... As we listen to the words that Jesus will say today, we find comfort in the reality that he knows that too. He understands that while we fall short, he never does. He never fails. As we've journeyed through these words on the cross, we started with a word of forgiveness. You remember the setting. Jesus has been nailed to the cross after a day-long season of persecution. And as he's hanging there, he looks out and he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. A word of forgiveness, and, and that's encouraging to me because there are moments in my life where I feel like I have blown it beyond repair. And it's helpful to know that he gets me, that he understands. And then he moved from a word of forgiveness to a a word of hope or assurance. You remember the criminal uh, next to it? They had 
been mocking Jesus with the soldiers, with the religious leaders. And I don't know if it was a glance he got from Jesus, but something caused him to realize that Jesus was indeed who he said he was. And so he cried out to Jesus and and Jesus gave him a word of hope. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. And that's comforting to me because I struggle with doubt. I'm not a pastor that's going to tell you that, man, if you doubt, you're, you're a sinner. Because I think doubt is a part of our humanity. It's a part of who we are in our existence. There are days that I, I have to be honest. I say, God, do I get it? Do I, and, am I saved? And yet it's in those moments that I look to the cross and, and I realize that in the words of Jesus... I can know that he gets me, and he gives me hope. And then he offers some words of compassion. There's only a handful of people. He's lived 33 years, and only a handful of people are there at his death. Everyone else has run away. His mama's there with a few of her friends, and then of his guy friends, it's just John. I know what Jesus must have been feeling that day. Where is everybody? And yet he turned the focus from himself to his mama and to his friend. And, and so he said to John, hey, John, she's your mama now. And to sweet Mary, he says, oh, dear lady, mama, John's going to take care of you. It's a word of compassion that that helps me because there are those moments, I have to tell you, it's because of me, not because of anyone else, but there are moments where I don't feel loved. And I wonder, God, have you forgotten me? Do you know I'm still here? And in those words, I understand he gets me. He does. There were about three hours of silence where those who gathered there watched Jesus suffer. And then Jesus begins to talk again. And in very quick fashion, one after another, we have the last four sayings of Christ from the cross. The first is a cry of agony. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in those moments, we understand that Jesus endured every dimension of hell total darkness. And that encourages me because I know what it's like to feel like someone turned out the lights. To feel dark. To feel hopeless. It's encouraging that that God in those moments gets me. And that he offers hope. From there, we hear Jesus cry out, I thirst. And we're reminded that our suffering world needed a suffering Savior. We're reminded that Jesus endured the pain and the shame so that when we go through suffering, we would know He understands. And that comforts me because sometimes life is hard. It's good to know that he gets me.
And then we come to a word of victory. At the very end of Jesus' life, you would think it might would be a word of despair, a word of depression. But it's not. It's a word of victory, a triumphant word. Some have said that no words ever uttered in any human language have the power of these words. That's what you find in John 19 and verse 30. When Jesus had received the sour wine. Remember when Jesus was first nailed to the cross, they offered him a drink that was laced with a drug, with a poison. Think morphine, just to put it in our context, so that that person hanging on the cross may have some of their pain dulled as they died. Jesus refused that because he wanted to endure the suffering. But now we've just heard that he's thirsty. His throat is dry. Near death, he wants to be able to utter these last words. So he takes from this hyssop branch with a sponge, with this sour wine, just to get enough to moisten his mouth and say, It is finished. And he bowed his head. And he gave up his spirit. Jesus preparing to take his last breath. Utters triumphant words. It is finished. These powerful words. Change everything. Walls fall down. Chains are broken. Miracles happen. Relationships restored. Eternity impacted. Lives changed. Because Jesus said, It is finished. So before we go any further, I want you to think about those three words in our language. As you'll see in a moment, it's just one word in the language that Jesus was speaking. But in our language, three words. It is finished. And and I want you to think about what Jesus did for you. And, And then I want you to think about maybe what is unfinished in you. What is that work? Maybe it's never been started by God. Maybe you need to have a relationship with God. Maybe that's what needs to happen as a result of this time in his word. But perhaps, and likely, many of us have that relationship with him, but that work, it's not being completed in the way he would desire. There are unfinished things in our lives Their habitual sins, their attitudes, their words that we say in a tone that we speak with that is not pleasing to Him, their habits that dishonor our God. And as we come before Him, we would say, Oh God, would you continue to finish in me what you started in me? 
Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. So, as we often do, if you're physically able, I'm going to give you an opportunity maybe just to take that physical posture of prayer. We kneel because we come in submission to God. If not, maybe at least you would just bow your head with me. And in these first moments, would you just think of those things where you may need his finishing work? Can I just add some to the list? Maybe you're dealing with depression. You just say, oh God, would you finish restoring the joy of my salvation? Maybe you live with pain or you're dealing with grief. You'd say, God, would you finish that work of giving me your peace and comfort? But for many of us, there are those sin struggles. Chains need to be broken. Walls need to come down. Oh God, would you finish in me what you started? Maybe you would pray this prayer. God, give me what I don't have that I need. Teach me what I need to know that I haven't learned. Make me what you want me to be. Everlasting Father, again, we come to you and we acknowledge we live in a world that is literally at war. And so we cry out in big ways for peace in in Eastern Europe, for your intervention, for divine guidance of leaders. Lord, but we get closer to home and our lives seem like they're getting so complex and complicated We need a loan to go to the gas tank. We go to the grocery stores and shelves are empty. We're battling diseases we've never heard of. We need you, Lord. And yet as we open your word, Jesus, we realize you've given us everything we need for life and for godliness. And so, Lord, we just want to appropriate that into our lives in this moment. We want to experience the victory that you declared. We want to know the finished work of salvation in our lives. So, Lord, would you meet us here for a few more minutes? We need you, Jesus. 
Lord, I pray that as I talk, my words would reflect you. God, would you supernaturally govern my thoughts and keep them together and focused on you in these next few minutes? And Oh, God, I pray the only way I know how to pray is that you would do what you said you would do. And Jesus, that when we lift you up, that somebody today would be drawn to you because they look to you, Jesus, on the cross. Because they see your finished work. So, Lord, we thank you. Jesus, thank you that you cried out. It is finished. We worship you and we praise your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Would you give him praise just as we celebrate what he's going to do in these next few moments? I want to say those words again. I want you to hear them. Let's say them together. It is finished. One more time. It is finished. Now, he doesn't say he is finished because he's not. He's just getting started. And he doesn't say you are finished because you're not. Because he's creating a pathway to begin a good work in you. But he says it is finished. So if we're following along, we should be asking, what is it? What was finished? I want to answer that question, and I want to do it from Scripture. First of all, the suffering of Jesus was finished. When Jesus cried out, it is finished, he was saying, the suffering is over. Uh, Sometimes when I'm walking with a family, as they face death, we, we pray for a sweet release. When death becomes imminent and we know that eternity is, is just around the corner, we pray that God would end the suffering, the pain, the difficulty of gaining that breath and that he would give a sweet release into his presence. As, as Jesus prepared to breathe his last, he knew that he was done suffering. But we know that his whole life had been about suffering. When he was born, he was born without any place to lay his head. He suffered. Just after his birth, his parents had to run to another country with him because they were being persecuted. He suffered. When he got old enough to be out on his own, people didn't like him because of just what he said. He suffered. And now, here on the cross, he had endured every kind of physical pain, emotional pain, even spiritual pain that you could endure. And as we've said repeatedly, he did this in fulfillment to the prophecies of God's word. Listen to Isaiah chapter 53. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely. He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, and yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. Or as the King James said, by his stripes 
we are healed. Just think about all that Jesus endured, remembering that our suffering world causes us to need a suffering Savior. But in this moment, (laughs) he said, not anymore. It's done. Hey, remember this. When you're at the outer edge of your endurance, Jesus is there for you. Isn't that good news? When you're at the outer edge of your endurance, Jesus is there for you. Give him praise. Would you do that? His suffering was over, but his submission to the Father in obedience was also over. I want you to think about that. Jesus did something that you and I can never do. He lived a human life perfectly obedient to the commands of God and perfectly submissive to the will of God. He never messed up. Do you truly understand that? Jesus never sinned. I want you to get in your mind's eye your best day. I mean, maybe it was a Sunday. You went to church, you sang, you put something in the offering plate, you said a blessing before you had lunch. I mean, it was your best of the best day. Guess what? You still sinned. You did something that he told you not to do, or you didn't do something he told you to do, and you fell short. That's not the case with Jesus. In fact, by this point, he had done everything he came to do. That's why in that priestly prayer in John 17, 4, he said, I glorified you, Father, on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. That's how we all want to end our life. Mission accomplished. I did everything I came to do. Jesus could truly say that. And he did that, obeying every law and submitting to God's will in every way. He reminds us of that in Matthew 5. He says, don't think I've come to abolish the law. I'm not giving you an easy way out. Or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. He had to live a perfect life. That makes what he did on the cross possible. And he did that. His suffering was over. His submission to the Father and obedience to his commands was over. Do you know what else? His satanic battle was over. Did you know on the cross, Jesus finished a battle that had started before any of us, of course it's before any of us, but before any people ever walked on this earth. The Bible says that in heaven, this old angel named Lucifer, he got the big head and he saw God on the throne and he thought, I can do that. And a battle takes place. We know how that ends. Lucifer. And about a third of the angels were thrown out of heaven. He then becomes known as Satan. The angels become demons. And Satan rears his ugly head in the form of a serpent early in our biblical story. There in the Garden of Eden. He comes to Eve and he tells her exactly what he thought in heaven. Hey, you can be like God. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. He's a tempter. 
And when we do what Eve did, when we give in to his lies and his deception and his temptation, then we sin. But we've got a problem because of Eve. We don't have to do something to sin. We are born sinners thanks to her. That's the way we live. So we are born with this big chasm between us and God. And so this battle has been raging throughout all of history. In Genesis, after that happened, God looked at the enemy. He looked at Satan and he said, I put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.